We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the DGD Podcast, as always. Robert Reynolds, Kobe Pierce. Guys, we got a lot to talk about. So we haven't talked about the 2024 recruiting class and the targets that are in it. It could shape up to be historic. But first, Kobe, how are you doing today, sir? We're living the dream today. Living the dream. Right. That sounds so much like what we used to say in the military all the time. Uh, but, yeah, no, other than that, man, hey, everyone, brigade, happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. We're here to talk some 2024 recruiting. Kobe, I hope you're ready for it. I think the brigade should be ready for it. I know I'm ready for it. Always down for some recruiting talk. Uh, but first, the show is brought to you by our friends over at Apotheos Roastery. Check out dgdpodcast.com forward slash Apotheos. Shop their selection. And 20% of each bag that you purchase using our link for every single bag that you get, 20% of those proceeds will go to the Classic City Collective. Uh, Apotheos is also the uh, official coffee and cold brew partner of the Classic City Collective. So they help with all 21 sports uh, around the Georgia program. So do yourself a favor. Check out the selection. Listen, I guarantee you, Rudes, myself, J-O-double-G, we all vouch for this. It's the best coffee I've ever had. Um, I love this stuff. Check them out, dgdpodcast.com forward slash apotheos. Kobe, with that being said, let's jump into this recruiting class, man. Obviously, Georgia is number one with 10 commits right now, right, sitting pretty at number one. You're looking at – you've got a list of guys already. Uh, to name them off, you've got Ellis Robinson, uh, Landon Thomas, that's five-star tight end. Uh, Demarcus Riddick just actually got bumped up to a five-star. That's a linebacker. Uh, talk about a linebacker, Hall. Good Lord. Uh, Night Carr, receiver. Two safeties in Jalen Hayward and Peyton Woodyard. Uh, another running uh, running back, Dwight Phillips. Uh, keep in mind that guy right there just ran a 10-2-9 in the 100-meter dash. Uh, recently committed, DeMello Jones. Your quarterback, Ryan Puglisi. And Sokovi White rounding out the current commitment uh, commits, excuse me, uh, for this cycle. But there's a lot left to go. 
And obviously, we want to talk about these uh, these top targets. Uh, before we get started, I do want to read some comments. So apparently, Rude says the intro makes him want to go hard in the paint on a Monday. It's Wednesday, sir. Uh, he's about to destroy his TPS report. Do it the right way. Uh, Tanil, Jeff, good morning, good morning. Got some, we got some folks in here today. Kobe, let's go ahead and get this started. First things first, you got Ryan Puglisi in this class committed. But I think you cannot – this the biggest name in this cycle period has to be Dylan Raiola. Right? Coming off of a visit uh, to Athens over this past weekend, things went well, it sounds like. Uh, and I think you could be looking at a commitment here before this uh, before the season uh, starts. What are your thoughts on uh, Raiola? How important is he to Georgia in this twenty four cycle? Um, yeah, I think that he. It'll be interesting to see, like you're saying, will he follow kind of the new um, trend of college football, if you will, and that's that you know these quarterbacks, a couple of these you know big time cornerstone keystone kind of guys for your class they don't they don't take as long to commit you know they kind of get an idea where they're going to go they get an idea of you know what coaches they like what schemes they like and you know they they kind of find a home early i think last year you know we were talking about that like out of the top 25 quarterbacks in the class um or out of the top 30 um 25 of them were committed before um like august 1st or september 1st like you know people had homes um and so i think it'll be interesting to see kind of like arch manning did kind of like you know a couple other big time guys if rayola you know come july 1st july 4th around that time after he's taken some officials over the summer and done some camping you know if he if he finds a home and then rayola i would think like a lot of other big time quarterbacks is once it's done it's done um you know it, people it is flip season for some guys here and there but I feel like once a quarterback's finally kind of found their home that they're going to be there to stay um and and that'll be nice you know I think we're just as much in it as anyone else I think that Steve Wilfong and all those guys are really making his recruitment a lot more dramatic than it has to be I feel like every time he goes for a visit, he gets a crystal ball to that place. I mean, Will Funk's crystal balls changed like four or five times throughout his recruitment. Now, he, to to his defense, he did get the first initial um, Ohio State commitment correct, but then when he flipped, right, like when he when he decommitted from Ohio State, right. I think now at the same time, you can't necessarily bash Will Funk for that. I'm not going to do that, but keep in mind that like crystal balls aren't solid, right? They're not solid. Keep in mind that. Once the name hits the, you know, the piece of paper, it's signing that uh, national letter of intent, that's when you can start to breathe. And it's faxed in. Starting out, you got to start making sure you're getting uh, emailed in or faxed in or however it goes. Uh, you know, but you know what I mean, though, Kobe. You know what I mean. Um, but no, I, I think, you know, you look at Raiola and you already have Puglisi. But the thing is, I think Georgia has to have two quarterbacks this cycle because of what we missed on in the 23 cycle, right? You go in for Arch. Arch lands at Texas, uh, you know, and it kind of looked like he went all in for Texas now, you know, or excuse me for Arch. And when he goes to Texas, it felt like initially you kind of lost on Riola because of the fact that you went so hard on, 
Arch Manning. But now that he's decommitted for Ohio State, it feels like things are opening up a little bit more. Uh, and, and listen, the connection right with Matt Stafford, I think that cannot go unnoticed. Uh, and the fact that Georgia's winning and winning a lot, winning titles, right? That's all important stuff right there. Uh, I, I saw a comment, uh, Kobe, before I saw you about to say something. I just wanted to bring this up. It also alludes to uh, Jeff Hightoff said Justin Scott is a name. Uh, the first week of June will be a huge weekend because you got Riola Smith, Wingo Scott, many more. We're going to get some of those names, but you are absolutely right. Kobe, you had something to say, sir? Yeah, I, I think that, it, I mean, it's what we've seen so far and has crystal balls for sure. I mean, I think it's a three-horse race for Rayola, and I think anything else is going to surprise a lot of people. But, you know, you come to Georgia, they're, you're one of the hottest teams on the block right now. You're back-to-back defending two-time national champions. You know, well on your way, like we've talked about on this podcast, to possibly going back-to-back undefeated regular seasons, you know, making another SEC championship you know, going back to the playoff and trying to defend that national title for a third time. It's hard to argue with that. It's hard yeah. to argue with wanting to be a leader and a member of that. And then you have Nebraska, who's, you know, kind of to me where Kirby was in 2016 recruiting Jake Fromm of, you know, you're trying to get the hype around what Nebraska could be and maybe once was – you know, Matt Rule's telling you how he's going to change all these things. You know, I'm pretty sure – didn't Ray Ellis dad go to Nebraska? And so, he did. He did. Dominic did. So, so you have three very different schools. You have the school that that is there, the Alabama of old. Nebraska, who's trying to get back there and feeding, like, your dad's an alumnus, a letterman. And then you got my man out in Southern California that basically has the, the Heisman Trophy case and the – number one overall picks of you come here, you play quarterback for me, you will win a Heisman, you will be a first-round draft pick, you know, if you don't care about anything else. I mean, you're going to win a lot of games out in South California too. I mean. Yeah, and I, I think as long as Lincoln's there, you're going to be – offensively, you're going to be more than – probably more than stellar in my opinion. Um but again, when it comes to, you know, what does a recruit like Dylan Rayola want, right? Do they want the championships? Do they want to win that way? Do they want the, you know, does he want the stats? Does he want the accolades, the Heisman, whatever? I mean, ultimately, you've got three different recruiting pitches, and all of them for are valid, right? They're valid. They're logical. Uh, they all make sense. Um, ultimately, I think Dylan Rayola's uh, recruitment is is going to be one to continue to watch, and I think literally all the way up until he signs his natural ever intent sends it in. Um, <clears throat> seeing some comments here. It looks like, uh, looks like Juan and J double G are back at their normal selves <clears throat> as always. Uh, Jeff Hightoff said crystal balls equals clicks. Yeah. He's not wrong. Um, I mean, it, it works. You know what I mean? Uh, where was it? I saw Joe Huff <clears throat> speaking some kind words here. Becoming my favorite podcast. Look forward to every episode. Usually have to catch the replay because of work. Thanks, guys. Hey, man, thanks for the kind words. Really appreciate that. But I think Rudes also was talking about, because we posted a question, who is your top target? Uh, and we're letting the brigade uh, answer 
in the comments. And I think Rudes had mentioned running backs. And I think it's a good time to transition from quarterback to running back because you already have Dwight Phillips committed. Um, and, and I think he's going to be, he's a burner. And I think he's going to be a really good addition to this backfield. You know, you're, you're getting ready to lose Kendall Milton. You're more than likely going to lose Dejon Edwards as well. Um, so the, the need for two backs, I think is crucial uh, in this cycle. Right. And Dwight Phillips, you know, I think is one perfect addition. Uh, you know, everybody's talking Jarrett Gibson. I just don't see him coming here. But if I had to choose uh, my favorite, my top target for the running back class, I'm looking at a current Florida State commit, Cam Davis. Cam Davis is a dog. Like, a kid is good. He's going to be an elite high, uh, collegiate runner, in my opinion. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I was about to hammer the same thing. He was a South Georgia boy. You know, I'm pretty sure he's at Darty. Um, and he, I've known about him since he was a freshman at Darty. I mean, he, you know, he was running quarterback down there, winning games single-handedly. Anybody that's ever played um, in that area of the state just knows that the Albany schools um, typically have one really, really star, maybe you know, two or three really star athletes, and then a lot of average to below average football players. Um, and and he's the kind of guy that that was beating people by himself. You know, no O line, no defense, but Cam Davis running for three fifty and and beating your team. Um, he's been a long, long time Florida State commit. I think he committed when he was like a sophomore. Like oh, he, he's he's sophomore. been he's been he's yeah he's been committed um, for a hot minute at this point. But there's always that pressure of again. Do you want to go to an up and coming like Florida State, who is still like, yes, they, they will compete for the ACC this year, but on a national stage, will they compete? Or do you want to come here at a school that, you know, kids don't always think about this, but if you ask Zamir, if you ask, you know, Nick Chubb, if you ask a couple of the guys that have been here, running by committee saves you in the long term so much more for the NFL. You know, there, there's a lot to be said about not being a horse at your college and being able to split reps when need be. Look at the value, guys. Look at the lifespan and the value of running backs currently in the NFL. It, it's not long. They are not projected to last long, right? So if you have the opportunity to come into, a, you know, a collegiate running back room, <clears throat> preserve yourself so that in the – end your NFL career could be sustained more long term how is that not beneficial I think that has to be Georgia's recruiting pitch <clears throat> it has to be um roots is roots is all up in the comments geologists are still trying to confirm the exact dates of game tape oh boy um listen if you if you're listening on podcast when we bring up these comments I'm sorry but it's doing yourself a disservice Obviously, I love we love and appreciate the support through audio and the podcast platforms. But some of these comments are, are just over the top from the brigade. So we try to we try to relay that to you. But as we get back into the, you know, the running back situation, though, Kobe, you know, are there any other names? Is there another name that sticks out to you uh, in the running back class this cycle um, that could and would be a good uh, target for Georgia to go get? I think at this point, 
um, you know, I, I think he is – a lot of your chips are going to be down on him. Um, you know, just looking – I'm looking through the top kind of 20 guys. You might see Jason Brown, maybe. Yeah. I don't know how to feel about that, but that's another one you could look yeah. at for sure. This guy right here, um, Makai Danzi, he's from Tallahassee, Florida. Mm -hmm. Like, he's a four-star. He's the 15th-ranked running back in his class. Like, you know, guys like that. I feel like sometimes Dell kind of will go outside the state and get somebody random on you. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you just never know. He He's so good on, like, they find their guy. And, you know, it's the same reason, like we talked about, um, the guy that just decommitted. What was it, Mizell? Yeah, Tavani Mizell, yeah. yeah. He's a 29th-ranked running back. In, in on, according to 247. I, mean, I feel like he really, dropped, though. At one point, he was higher than that, though, I thought. He's a three-star running back, according to 247. He's not even nationally ranked. Well, now, if you go composite, though, he's 276 overall. So, I don't know which service it is. But, yeah, I I, I mean, for me, I go – everybody has their preference. I go, I go composite, even though I don't care for ESPN recruiting rankings. They're garbage. But just saying, I mean, you know, if he's if we're if we're taking commitments from him, you know, then there's no telling who and who ahead of him you may find that you like or that likes us that you're happy with. But I think I think you're going to see Dwight Phillips. You already have. And I think you're going to see a huge push for Cameron Davis. And there's your, I mean, there's and we're your not knocking. Career. We're not knocking Tavani at all. So please. No, not at all. Yeah, we're I'm, not I'm knocking. saying. I'm just saying that Dale finds his diamonds in the rough. I'm, I'm saying I mean, you, you look undervalued, probably compared to. I mean, when you look at when you look at like the 23 cycle, right? Like we push for Justice Haynes. Justice Haynes kind of surprises everybody. Goes to Bama, then you know it's it, it, it what feels feels and and reality are different here in my opinion, but to some degree they're correlated. It feels like you go last ditch effort to go pick up Roderick Robinson. But Roderick Robinson is not a running back that is any slouch by any means. So it's like yeah, George is at a standpoint now where you, your fallback option is still an elite running back. And to me, that's just nuts to believe. But welcome to the current state of Georgia football, especially at the running back position. All right, let's see. Pat is calling for Juan. Uh, ask if he's getting fitted for a jersey. Uh, a la Stetson Bennett. The more to talk about later when that comes around. Um, Kobe, I, I think the receiving position, right? We'll kind of go this right here. The the receiving core is going to be one where I think you could see four receivers, maybe five, depending on the right one comes in, get uh, gets basically put into this class. Um, ultimately, my question to you, though, I think it all starts with the Ohio State commit Jeremiah Smith. That kid is arguably, or not even arguably, excuse me, hands down the best receiver in this class, in my opinion. Um, do does Georgia have a legitimate chance to land Jeremiah Smith, in your opinion? Like we've talked about, you know, it is the same reason that Ohio State has so many good receivers. Same reason that. Clemson for a while was getting so many good receivers. Same reason Alabama was getting so many good receivers. There is correlation between getting good top-tier quarterback recruits and getting good top-tier receivers. 
I mean, they 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 are the same side of one coin. You don't get the 11th best quarterback and two top 10 receivers. That's not how it really works. Yeah, it doesn't. There's no correlation in that regard. So, like for Ohio State, Dylan Rayola, obviously number one quarterback, number one quarterback recruit, all this. He's at Ohio State. Well, boom, number one receiver. Man, I would really like to play with the number one quarterback. He's going to throw me the ball. I know we're going to be able to grow together. You know, it's going to be a good guy for a long time. Well, so then he's at Ohio State. Yeah, offense may have a little bit to do with it. Ohio State's throwing the ball a good bit. But if you land Rayola, you will land probably two top ten receivers. And I think Jeremiah Smith is a legitimate option of um, of being one of those guys. Rude's with Missouri – um, with their wide receiver getting Luther Burden, that's just a hometown thing. I mean, that's just kind of random, like you're saying. You know, that was definitely tried, a wild shot. Pretty for hard for Luther, and I think a lot of other schools did too. And the end of the day, he just really wanted to be in Missouri, which gotta respect that. At some point, you're from Missouri. I respect staying home. You know, I can't be mad at that. So yeah, you're not wrong at all. I mean, welcome to the welcome to the world of NIL too. I think sometimes NIL and home field, you know, home hometown situations can come in, but I, I think it's more of an exception to the rule. But, but like looking, not like looking right here, Mike Matthews is from Parkview in Georgia. He's number four recruit or number four wide receiver according to two four seven, but number two composite. It looks like he's five star. He's number ten nationally. Like, yeah, the, he, he would be a perfect like, example of like if you got Rayola, you know, boom, there's there's a in-state guy you've kept home to be yeah. a five-star receiver. So, and Georgia hasn't had that the guy right since AJ Green, I would say, like, especially George, at, at the George. at the receiver position. I mean, yeah, Landon the, George. The only, huge. Well, I mean, Landon George was huge, but the what I mean by that, it was like the production to follow. Not saying that he didn't have a a huge impact. It's just the sample size wasn't as much like a full three seasons due to injuries, things like that. Yeah, but I mean, uh, when he I'll was there, he was on it. He we was had, on it, and we had like little to no idea we were getting George either. Yeah, like, that was that was one of my favorite, that was one of my favorite signing, especially flipping him from Auburn. That was one of my favorite signing day flips. Period. But, no, I mean, when you look at that, though, right, like you have the current offense. We've seen under Bobo, right? Like I think that's another thing. You know, how many receivers are obviously looking for Riola's commitment where that goes? Also to see what Georgia's offense is going to look like under Mike Bobo, right, now that you've got a different, you know, Mike you know, Mike Bobo 2.0 per se. Like how that plays out I think could really be telling. But the thing is, though, keep in mind, I think receivers also kind of see – the you know the quarterback room for what it's worth because Georgia has the one in my opinion one of the best quarterback rooms in the country right three I'd, I'd say three capable quarterbacks right uh whether it be Carson Beck Gunner or Brock I don't think there's going to be an issue there um you know obviously you still got the talent around it and everything like that so if the offense clicks and does well there's a good chance that you can get these guys to come and say look come and be the guy right talk to Jeremiah Smith hey come and be the guy all right, Mike Matthews, come and be the guy. And I think that could be a nice recruiting pitch for Georgia. But you can't tell me that though, Jeremiah Smith has to be one of the big, biggest targets, even if he's already committed on your radar uh, for Georgia in the receiving core. The hard, the hardest thing about all this is at this point in his career, and you know, not saying he's he's 
proud or anything, but there's the Georgia way and there's the kind of recruits he's looking for. Um, you know, you have to be willing to do more than just run a pretty go ball and score a lot of touchdowns to play a receiver at the University of Georgia. It, yeah. it, it's why, I mean, even George had to learn it. I mean, you look at all the clips of him shoving down DBs and blocking DBs and doing those things. Like, yeah, they're funny, but when he got here, he learned how to block. He learned that it was important to block. You know, it's what makes Darnell such a good asset. Was Bowers is going to be a great asset. Marcus, I mean, Marcus Rosemary is another one I think that's benefited. I yeah. mean, th- there's a reason, like, these guys get rewarded with those balls. Lad McConkey. I mean, you see, you see Lad, he's out there. He's 5'10, 185 pounds. He's blocking guys to the best of his ability, blocking them great. You know, I, that those are the egos and the stars you're going to have to get over. You know, if you're, and not, I'm not going to say number one guy necessarily because I don't know him personally. So I don't yeah. know what he's like, but you have to be willing to come and say, you know, when I'm not getting the ball, I'm willing to do whatever it takes for our team to succeed. Or that am was I going to be mad that I'm not getting the ball? Well, that was one thing that I saw that kind of as George came about, right, from freshman year to junior year. If you notice, like it looked like if the ball wasn't coming his way, he kind of took plays off on the backside. And it kind of cost Georgia at times. Uh, whereas, you know, his junior year when he was playing, you could see the effort even on plays that were going away from him. Right, like the the <clears throat> the blocking, right? Like there are sometimes where he would like jog off the line or something like that, and, and it cost Georgia, right? Ultimately, like the guy that he was supposed to block ended up making the play. Now you now that makes sense, and you, and you see that on tape, and it makes you like, all right, now I understand the importance of doing things, right? Like when you, even when the ball's not coming to me. So ultimately, right, you look at these guys, excellent ball skills, right, route running, but again. The willingness to block, though it's it's the willingness. It's not the ability. It's the willingness as well that could separate you know guys playing at Georgia compared to other schools, uh, you know. <clears throat> but that's just my thought. Um, tight ends, Kobe. Tight ends. Obviously, twenty three cycle. Get Pierce uh, prayers up there on a speedy recovery there from a collarbone injury, uh, and then Lawson Lucky. And then now you look at the 24 cycle, you've got Landon Thomas. That's a five-star tight end. Uh, you also, I think if there's an, any other target that you get in this cycle from a tight end perspective, if you get another one, I think you try to go for Caleb Odom uh, out of Carrollton, and I will explain why. He is one of the receivers, right, obviously a tight end, but he is one of the passing uh, options for a 2026 quarterback that you're going to go hard after and is a must hit in that class. And that is Juju Lewis. Uh, If you can land Caleb Odom, that might be a good start uh, to getting Juju Lewis down the line. Uh, What say you about that? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's always a chess game is what I'll always say, and and I agree with you. You know, you you break into that Carrollton. It's kind of like we're talking about with, with Juan, and we've talked about it that the dogs haven't been able to to crack into that Buford shell in a long time and and get high-end recruits out of Buford. Seems like we lose them, you know, somewhere. Either is it the coaching staff? Is it, you know, somebody in their ear or whatever? But, I mean, you just look at this year, you lost a couple, you know, Buford guys to, to Alabama. It just seems like you can't quite keep them home. And so anytime you can go into a school like Carrollton, going somewhere that you know down the line, like, yeah, we have somebody, then, you know, getting Caleb Odom, getting him here, it just kind of shows and gives an end to Juju where he has that little bug in his ear saying, you know, hey, you know, you're really going to love it up here. The city's great. The town's great. The downtown atmosphere is great. You know, workouts are tough. Practice is tough. But, like, we're getting better. And, and we're winning games, and that can go a long way for anybody. And just to have a friend or someone, you know, that understands what you're about to go through and can kind of let you know, like, hey, make sure your cardio's up because we're running a lot or whatever, just little things. So it would be an impressive keep to get another back-to-back um, top five tight ends, but I think it's kind of the way you're going, the the more you continue to use Brock Bowers, the more you'll use Oscar Delp this year, you know, with Lawson, and you'll have the other tight end back from the collarbone injury. I mean, you're going to keep getting top five tight ends. Yeah, I mean, as long as Todd Hartley's here, I think that, you know, the Mountie, right? The Mountie will always get his man, and and that is one of the most important things to keep in mind. Todd Hartley will always get his man. That's why he is called the Mountie around these parts. Um, just my opinion there. But if, you know, sometimes you see teams will go for a kid to land a bigger kid at the same, right, like teammates, things like that. But Caleb Odom is a situation where he can come in and be a part of that tight end room and still it's not like you're picking up a unwanted or unneeded player to get him. It's not going to yeah. just take up a spot. This is a this is a top 70 recruit in his class. I mean, this is this would be a good tight end to get as your number one tight end in your class. You know, let alone let alone as the second tight end you picked up in your class. I'm just saying, like, looking. Yeah, because, I mean, so the 24-7 composite has Caleb Odom as the eighth best tight end, ranked 126 nationally, according to the composite. Uh, again, that, that's still – Think about where Brock Bowers was, right? Like just outside the top 100, right? Not I'm not comparing the two, but you get what I mean. Like, you know, Landon Thomas is your five-star, but what does that mean, though? It also means that you're locking down the state, keeping elite talent in the state, because both of those guys, I think, obviously, you, you look at that, two top ten tight ends in the country. 
both out of the state of Georgia, if you can land both of those guys, that means you're retaining your talent within the state, building upon an even deep, you know, a deeper tight end room than anyone in the country. That what a problem to have, right? What a problem to have. And I'll be honest with you, right now I don't know what Caleb Odom's official forty is. Let's click on him, see if it'll tell me. We'll see the last recorded time, I guess. Will it tell me that? If it's recorded, if 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 are you looking at twenty four seven? Yeah. If uh, so, you'll probably see, if they have it recorded or they lasered it down, then it would probably be in there. But if not, you might have to just go off the tape or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't see it. But this that being said, this is where I was going with this. He's six five two oh five. I mean, 205 does not immediately scream to me that you're going to come here and be a tight end. I mean, he could be a he could be the kind of guy that that is that you know hybrid type big body receiver that we like to have all those years. I mean, he could. Tra- so what you're saying is you could see a possibility of him transferring, <clears throat> or excuse me, transitioning into more of a pure receiver, and and legitimately have that kind of body size. I mean, he could just be a bona fide pass catcher. I mean, you know, uh, you know that's the perk. That's the perks of. And listen, like we we talked about this, right? And depending on how the re- receiving class falls, right? How those dominoes fall, right? You have to see that there could be a, a potential for something like this to happen. And it's not the it's not the craziest thing that could happen. It, it legitimately makes sense because he's a. I feel like he's an excellent pass catcher. You know, but when you look at what we need for on, in, on the, you know, on the line, line of scrimmage in the line, 205 is not going to get it done. You have to bulk up to 230, 240 or beyond. And asking that's asking a lot, especially with how Georgia runs, you know, for conditioning and stuff. It's hard to keep weight like that. It's hard to put weight on when you're running so much. So you might could honestly see a transition from the tight end position to, right, to a receiver depending on how the chips fall in the receiving class. Um, that, that's just my thoughts. Kobe, we, we've talked about these skill positions, but let's get down to let's get down to the nitty-gritty and talk these hogs in the trenches. Offensive line. I feel like it's a huge priority in this cycle, but I want to get your thoughts overall on that and give me your top target for 2024 in the offensive line. I mean, I'd like to see us get back into the, you know, and I thought we did a good job of Monroe Freeling. Um, I'd like to see us get back to the, to the Sam Pittman way of doing things and getting some of these top guys in in the house. You know, uh, we had some years there where, where we had way too many bodies and I'm not saying that we're going to be fully, fully flushed of all the bodies again, if you're really thinking 2024 is a huge year for offensive line, you're going to lose probably without a shadow of a doubt, both guards, your center, and at least one tackle. And least. even, and possibly, listen, the crazy thing is you could honestly see your backup guards leave as well, depending on how, how the season goes. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, let's, let's be honest. If, if you, cause we, we expect Cedric Van Pran, you expect Tate Rattledge, you're going to lose Amarius Mims more than likely. Right, so you're losing a lot. You'll have guys like Ernest Green and Monroe Frilling in there. Uh, if you keep these guys in, you could see Fairchild take over. You could see Michael Morris, Austin Blasky could all play key parts next year. But now, we're looking talking at, about Blasky's been taking first team left tackle reps. Yeah, so you never know. So obviously, when you look at the situation, right, Georgia seems to be hoarding guards. 
But when it comes to offensive line, you have to get several this class, and you have to hit on them. You can't miss, right? You can't miss on the evaluation. Uh, I think that's the biggest part here. My, my top target in regards to offensive line play though, or from an offensive line perspective is, is a guy right up in Marietta, Georgia, out of Walton, Daniel Calhoun. Uh, like there, You have Cam Pringle that's above him. You have uh, Guarby Lambert. Uh, you know, that's above him. So he's third or fourth best tackle, I guess you should say, offensive line. But I still think you have to look at Calhoun keeping the talent in state. And I feel like if you can land him, obviously you get some other pieces there, right? But I mean, if you go to, if you really take a look at Calhoun, six, six and a half, 355, more than likely you're going to see him play guard, right? But that is a but that's a key foundation. But if you have him playing tackle, like a, a smaller Dewan James per se, more athletic Dewan James from Ohio State, you've got yourself a, a, a road grader and the foundation for your offensive line moving forward. There's no doubt about that. And and I think you know there there's just going to be some guys that we're still talking about that they're they're not it's not over with. I mean. The top guy, Brandon Baker, you know, I mean, I don't think that he's a he's a lost cause if you recruit him. Cam Pringle, I mean, he's committed to South Carolina, but I don't think he is – it's outside of the realm to think that we will not still be recruiting him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got a guy up there near you that I like transitioned to offensive tackle recently. He won't be, you know, the bona fide five-star tackle – but he's more a project pick that I would like, kind of like a Drew Bobo, a, a, you know, somebody like that of, you know, Egan Boyers up there um, mm-hmm. near you. To me, he'd be a huge pickup. He transitioned from tight end to tackle, um, you know, maybe like a year or two ago. Six seven, he's like two sixty five, maybe two seventy now. He's yeah. actively putting on weight. I mean, that's the kind of guy that that transition happens and you kind of get hot on him early in his recruitment. Yep. And, and, you know, he comes here, he gets to 310, 315. He could be, he could be a guy that could play a lot of snaps for you. Um, yep. You know, he's, he's getting a lot of offers right now too. Um, so. You also have, I mean, you also have got guys like Jimothy Lewis. I don't know how much of a shot Georgia has. <clears throat> That's the one that you could look at. Um there's another one, Josiah Thompson out of Dillon, South Carolina. He's announced his commitment for the 11th of April. Now, if, if you follow Crystal Balls, you know, the projection there is uh, South Carolina. But I think Georgia's got a good shot there as well. Uh, I think Georgia's got a shot with about anybody uh, if we're being serious. Just going to leave that there. But I, I do think that regardless who you pick up, you want to make sure that you hit. I don't think this is the cycle to just pick – uh, pick up a t- uh, pick up an offensive lineman for a project. I think you need these guys to make, you know, have a purpose. I don't think you just grab a guy for a project and try to see what happens. Well, you always. I mean, I feel like you're always going to grab a couple projects at the end to kind of round out your class. It just kind of is how, not necessarily projects, but like you always seem to scoop up a late three star um, here or there, kind of you know around the around the 400, 500 rankings. And it just kind of gives you an extra body um, and, and it lets you kind of gamble on how they're going to turn out. Because like you're saying, you could really, the offensive line room this year could be decimated. 
I mean, if people start doing the math and, and they're, you know, upcoming juniors and not playing or, you know, upcoming sophomores and don't see a road to play in, you know, not only could the draft hurt you this year, but the portal. I mean, there are guys in that room that have been there a long time that haven't seen the light of the field, and they may be thinking that they're getting recruited over and they're about to bounce. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. And it's not just that, like, Georgia has so much talent here. Other schools see that, though. Like, others, these guys could go and play and start and play meaningful snaps at most other schools, right? even in the SEC. Well, well, I mean, you just look at, like, um, and this is this is just a name and a thought, but, like, Scroggs, he was committed to Georgia Tech before he committed yep. here. He well, was going. I, now, I wouldn't be surprised now, if he was going to play significant minutes at Georgia Tech. Now Buster Faulkner has, who has been here two years with him, has gone to Georgia Tech. I mean that that's the kind of name that it goes in the portal, and Tech might be the first phone call that he gets. You know, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I don't know if he wants to do that at all, but I'm just saying, like, those are the kind of guys. Don't think that the guys that aren't playing wouldn't be, you know, getting phone calls from here. I mean, we got a guy that when I played, he was a you know, top 10 tackle from JUCO, um, Demarcus Hayes. And he he committed here, came here. Man, barely made the travel squad some weeks. I mean, some weeks he was at the house with us watching the game. And he's like, he's starting left tackle in the XFL. Yes, it's just the XFL. But he's starting, starting left tackle. Yeah. I mean, he didn't even play here. He didn't play a single – significant snap here like that's the kind of depth you have at at these schools that people don't realize no doubt let's transition over to the defensive side of the ball and this is where we need we need the expertise of Juan the goat Daniels but if we're looking at defensive line right I I look at defensive line as uh, again another cycle where you just load up and you know reload but there's a couple of names at the very, very tip top, and I'm going to go three. I'm going to go one, two, three, and Georgia's in on them heavy. And if you land all three of these, you talk about being elite on the defensive line, it, it becomes scary if these all three of these guys come to Georgia. First off, Williams, Wanari, uh, Wanari out of Lee, uh, Lee Summit, Missouri. Eighth over on the country, just came off of a visit, said he will be setting up an official to Georgia. Uh, you've got one of Juan's guys, well, the Buford boys, Edric Houston. That, that is, in my opinion, on the defensive line, the must get in this class, period. Must get him because that will you, – you've got Prolotti in the 25 class. But if you can pick up Houston, right, if you can pick up Edric Houston out of Buford, that's going to change things on how you recruit that school, in my opinion. And then you also have <clears> – that <throat> we alluded to earlier – Justin Scott out of uh, Chirac, if you will, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, all three of these guys can come in and be significant pieces to this defensive line haul. Outside of those three, and I know I probably took your uh, thunder there. Outside of those three, you know, I, I think, you know, what are some other possibilities that you see, uh, you know, potentially landing here? Or, you know, who, who is that must-get guy for you, Kobe? I mean, I agree. Houston out of Georgia is definitely a guy that I think we're going to be super interested in is somebody that we're going to try to recruit hard. Um, you know, 
names to keep an eye on, David Stone, um, defensive lineman. I think that he'd be a big body, you know, pretty – he's number four, um, depending on what you're looking at. He's number six composite, number four, 247. I think he's a good good player. And then T.A. Cunningham's a name. He's a guy that I know we've had on campus a good bit. Um, he's from out in California. You know, we got the guy that um, – we have the California-Nevada connection now. Don't be surprised if we start pulling a couple guys out of that area more often than we were able to before. Um, you know, he's a four-star guy. He's the 14th best. But he's 6'5", 270. I mean, yeah. he's, a, he's a solid – he's a solid kind of guy. And then always, always – Count on, and I wish you could do it this way. I don't know if you can look for somebody that's 6'7, 285, 295. Coach Scott's always going to go get him a big boy, like a big, tall, long. Look at Jordan Davis. You look know, at it. He's not, I, I think, he's not here look, anymore, but you look at Sean Washington. You look yeah. at even Jamal. You know, Jamal's not, not a small man. They came in away in three seconds. Here's here's a here's a couple. I'm gonna read a couple of these guys off, and I'm gonna read their measurables. I think Georgia on the defensive side of the ball can go get. Hey, you're huge. You're fast. We want you because we can develop you. Here's a couple of names. They're not even ranked. A couple of these guys are not even ranked right now. Kobe, Makai Boy Boyrio, out of Creekside in Fairburn, six five three fifty. Aiden Lynch out of Flanders, New Jersey. That's uh, Fran Brown territory, 6'7", 283. And then if you want to go, and then you want to go somebody that's actually got a ranking, LJ McCray, D-line, 6'6", 260, out of Daytona Beach, Florida, 148th overall. Those are just some of these guys that you might be able to look at and say, you might not, maybe they're not going to come to Georgia, Right. But do you take it? Do you take a shot and evaluate them at least? Very well. If you've got avatars that are that big, now I obviously haven't done enough research to see. All right, they're big, but are they fast? But sometimes guys just that big can eat up space. You don't have to be as fast as others. But if they have the combination of size and speed, I guarantee you, Trey Scott's going to come calling. <clears throat> It's just I mean, his thing is he's looking for he's looking for massive individuals, big humans that are going to be able to eat up two blocks and keep your linebackers free. You know, uh, Edric Houston six three. I mean that is that is the lowest. That's probably but the shortest guy that we are going to be recruiting at the university. The thing about it is Edric's so good that it's kind of like it's kind of like Quay Russo last year or Quay. Well, Rusal was kind of a smaller on the smaller end of what we really want to go for because we have parameters now that we recruit at size-wise. Edric Houston's too good not to get him in your class and play him. I, I 100% agree. I'm just saying for everybody. Yeah, no, I got you. Everybody yeah. listening, 6'3", like if you read like Tymon Mitchell, great player, wonderful defensive lineman, playing at TCU. Tymon's all of 6'1". Love you, Tymon, if you're listening to this for some random reason. He wasn't ever playing here. He's not long enough. He's not, you know, all those things that we want. He was a phenomenal player. He was great when he was here as a, as a, you know, guy as a freshman, maybe as even a sophomore. But it, he needed to go somewhere else to be able to play. It's the scheme we run. It's 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 how it, it's really what's being asked of the defense now, especially on the D line, your edge rushers. Nolan Smith, if he was recruited in this cycle, wouldn't probably come here. 
at all. Like, love Nolan to death, right? I think he's a DGD by everybody's account. But his size, and you know, if you're looking at it, if, if he's not the number one overall guy, I don't necessarily know if he comes. Obviously, I'm, a, I'm appreciative that he did. But does he even get looked at in now in nowadays knowing what we're looking for? Like, that starts to become the question. Now, the speed, I think you, you can't question the he's speed. The wrong, he's the wrong example. I mean, he was number one recruit in his class. Yeah. I mean, just, also, but just I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying, but he, I mean, he was number one overall recruit for a while. See, so, so Don, uh, Juan's saying that you should see Houston in person. Yeah, I know. We need to get him on the show somehow. Juan, pull some strings, maybe. I mean, Juan's the goat, so he can make it happen. Maybe, I mean, like he can he can make bread turn into wine and make us happy. You know. And I mean? again, and again, Juan, if you're listening, obviously not a knock against Houston, just purely the measurable of six three. You know, you're asking an interior defensive lineman here to do a lot. Um, you know. No, he's gonna. I mean, he's gonna be a. He's a. He's a take. There's no question. Um, but it's but it's a. It's like an exception to the rule now. Ultimately, um, let's move over to linebackers code. Um, excuse me. Also, let's do outside linebackers like edge guys. Ah, edge guys. All right. Do you want to start with that? Name some folks. Um, I mean, I think we've had Colin Simmons here a time or two. Obviously, he's the number one guy at Duncanville. Um, I think he's coming back for another official sometime in the summer. Um, it he it'd be great to get a top top edge rusher. I mean, obviously your sacks have depleted the past few years. Um, after that, I, you know, I haven't heard a bunch of these names as far as like here a lot, I guess, but like Dylan Stewart, I would say would be the other name I've heard them. I think Dylan, Dylan Stewart's a must get, especially knowing how important and how, how much of a commodity uh, elite pass rushing is, right? Like just think like we've got Damon Wilson, we've got, you know, we've got Marvin Jones Jr., but you can't ask Michael Williams at a plan of four eye to get 10 sacks. That's 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 hard as hell to think about and do. So if you, you start to look at these commodities on the edge as as gold, like you look at Dylan Stewart, I think Dylan Stewart, you might see a guy like uh Booker Pickett, right? Six three, two hundred again on the smaller size. Don't necessarily say you land them. <clears throat> Excuse me. But if you look at guys like, uh, you know, Colin Simmons, I think it's going to be hard to pull out of Texas, though, man. Uh, just just where I'm seeing now. Uh, do you go for a guy like – do you have a shot with a guy like Elijah Rushing? Or can you – flip? I don't know if you can, but could you flip a TJ Capers, even though Capers is 6'2", right? Like, But Elijah Rushing at 6'6". I, I thought Capers was an inside guy. Am he, I, am I no, I think they got him listed as an edge. I mean, I, I feel like he – He's just again on that smaller size that we talk about, right? I mean, he's the same size as Quay Walker. Yeah, Six, I'll, I'll tell you this though. Two two thirty. Here, here's another name, and I think people need to pay attention to this guy out of England, Emmanuel Okoye, 6'5", 230. Kid is an athletic freak. Again, you start to look at what Glenn Schumann and, and company wants on the out. Do they want avatars to just be able to run real fast? You know what I mean? It'd be super long. It it works. And that's another guy that I think, you, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, I think you could have a shot there with uh, with a guy like Okoye. Uh, I really think if you haven't paid attention and, and checked out, checked him out, do yourself a favor. You'll understand why. Kid's a freak. 
All right, we'll move on to the inside backers now, Kobe. These uh, true linebackers, if yeah. you'd like to. Obviously, remember, obviously you've got Demarcus Riddick already in the fold. Yep. And, and I think me and you are both going to say this one name because I think you only get two linebackers in this class considering what you just grabbed. Sammy Brown. Is that your thought? It is. But for the first time in a long time, I'm going to tell you I'm I'm doubtful. Like, okay. I, I just don't – I just don't – I don't see it. I will be – I will be as shocked as as I've ever been probably about us getting a recruit if we land Sammy Brown. Because uh, he has he's – he's a freak too. He's an athletic freak too. But I know it's going to be him. It's going to be Clemson and, and Georgia, in my opinion. And, and I feel like, you know, Clemson's relationships have been a huge thing for him. Right? If but he the, would have been, if he would have been the only linebacker in this class, you know, like if he'd have committed two months ago and we wouldn't have taken another, then I could have seen it. But yeah. I just don't know. I just don't know. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, still don't know him. But I think Clemson just looks very appealing at this point. Um, no, you're not right. I think from a top target standpoint, though, if he wants to come to Georgia, he, you're going to let him in this class. There's no question about that. There's no question about that. There's not a guy. There's not a guy on this two four seven website that if you're ranked one in your uh, your position, that we're going to tell you no. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I mean, if he if he wants to come to Georgia, you you let him in. But to your point, I, I kind of get your point because. Again, you look at what uh, Glenn Schumann brought in, right? You look at Raylan Wilson and, and and Pimba and all these guys, these linebackers, right? Troy Bowles, Troy Bowles, Raylan Wilson, C.J. Allen, all three of those guys right before you. There's a chance of you know, do you get buried and be even number one over, like even in your position, number one overall, you still have that doubt. But if you go to Clemson, and this is why I get your point, because if he goes to Clemson. He's going to be the guy. And you probably see him play like Isaiah Simmons did at Clemson, I mean, too. You're, you're Ben Bullware for four years. Just three a, three just, or four years, however you want to look yeah, at it now. Just a just a maniac tackling machine that, you know. Mean machine. Mean yeah. machine. Right, Clemson, you're going to have, I guess, like, again, it's kind of like running back. Do you want to be the guy that's in every play? You have 100 tackles a year at Clemson. Or do you want to be like Nicobe and Quay and Channing and all these guys that are going to get drafted, but they're only got like 65 tackles a year, you know, pop. I mean, people are like, why is pop in, you know, in the running for the Dick Butkus? He only has 62 tackles. It's like, we're rotating. Yeah. It doesn't mean he's not one of the best linebackers in the country, but we rotate is what we do is part of the depth. Um, but another name to keep an eye on, and it just is like um, a name that I recognize, is Quay Birdsong from Troop County. Um, I, I just – that name for some reason clicks. So, he's from Georgia, 6'2", 200 pounds, kind of fits that mold. Um, if you do miss on Sammy Brown and end up taking a second linebacker with Demarcus Riddick, which I've also heard, you know, he's going to be kind of one of those – it's not over till it's over kind of commits possibly. Yep. Um, so, I mean. Ultimately, I get your point. There's a good chance you might see one, but if you get a second one, it's going to be Sammy Brown, I would think. 
Like you're not like you're going to hold a spot for him if he wants it, but if not, you just get that one, and then look at the 25 cycle. I would assume at that point. Um, so what we're going to do for this last one, we're going to look at the entire secondary, and you'll understand why. Obviously, at cornerback you have Ellis Robinson committed, and then at safety right now you've already got Peyton Woodyard and um, Jalen Hayward. Now the interesting thing is, your top target in the secondary is KJ Bolton. All three of those guys are listed as safeties. Now, the reason why I combined those was for this. When you take a look at the safeties, I feel like you don't grab three safeties unless you look at maybe a you know transitional one over to a star or maybe even a cornerback. Right? What are your what are your thoughts on the fact that you could land three safeties and, and maybe one or maybe two cornerbacks? What are your thoughts on that? It's 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 right back to you know, this is really the year, like when you just start talking about years that you should have good runs, like you're getting into another one of those years of like we've talked about the whole offensive line is going to be gone after this year. The, the your number one tight end is going to be gone. You're, you know, there's going to be a lot more turnover this time next year than there is right now. Um, kind of like there was two years ago. You're you're legitimately talking about, you know, Starks will have to come back, but I mean Dan Jackson could be gone, Tyke Smith could be gone, um, you know, Kamari Laster be could be gone. A couple yeah. of those guys that you know, if if a couple of those guys that don't win the second cornerback battle, they could be gone in May. I mean, and you, you can see him hit the portal too. Like, I mean, yeah. you can see you can see a guy like Julian Humphrey gone. You could see a guy, you know. You could really decimate this kind of like the offensive line room. This DB room is teetering on a point of, well, I'm still kind of here to see if I make it. Um, Bullard, Bullard will be a junior. He could be gone. You know, there's just all these guys that all of a sudden you've poured these years into that either could transfer or could go to the NFL within the next year. So, yeah, I 100% could see why you would take, you know, two safeties. I don't think you'll end up taking three. Um, that's just well, my well. My, my thing is opinion so, on the KJ Bolden situation. Yeah. But I, two safeties and three cornerbacks. I don't think you'll bat nine, and I don't think you'll overflood your DB room doing that. See, because you're in the see. My thing is with the safety position. You can you can take safeties and revert them to cornerbacks if you need to, right? Based off of athleticism and whatnot. Because like I said, you've already got Jalen Hayward and Peyton Woodyard in the fold. But you're in the running for KJ Bolton and Xavier Phil Same, uh, Phil Same, I think, out of McKinney, Texas. Saquon Patterson's another name that you're in on. So that's five that you have a shot at landing. Now, again, you look at the safety room, right? Like, for instance, right? You look at, uh, well, DeMello Jones is listed as a safety. So that's ultimately three safeties right now. If you get some of these guys, you could see some transition into cornerback. I think DeMello might actually play cornerback, by the way just list, listed as a safety. So, again, I think you could see some rotation from what listed as and move them to cornerback if you need to. And you can't forget either, like, um, and I was just thinking about the safe or the corner situation, that a lot of the athletes were looking for kind of that way too, like Aaron Butler. I'm pretty sure the guy from um, yeah, that's another California name. this committed, or um, he's not committed, but he's crystal balled here. But, yep. like, those are names that float around. Like, if he comes here, he's probably going to be a cornerback, you know. 
ultimately, though, I think overall, right, I, this 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 class has the chance to be historic. I think you, I think at the end of the day, I'm going to go ahead and make a shot here. At the end of the day, this will be the highest ranked class in Georgia history, and you're probably pushing ever. Um, I, I don't know if you're going to get the $30 million class, if you're going to knock that off, but I think Georgia's going to put themselves into a damn good shot to do it. You land, you land Rayola, and you're well on your way. Oh, 100%. 100%. You land Rayola, that, that's a, that it's the same, it's the Justin Fields effect. It's the same influx yep. that anybody has. You land Rayola, all of a sudden you land a second five-star tight end, you land two five-star wide receivers, you end up keeping, you know, randomly you keep Sammy Brown or something crazy. All of a sudden you're looking around, you got eight five-stars, and you're like, okay, here what we are go. We yeah. Ultimately, though, so obviously there's a lot to indulge here, so we, we hope that you understand everything. These are just our targets and guys that we, you know, think should and get, you know, would be nice to have in this class. Um, I think it's going to be historic. Kobe, I'm assuming you think the same. Um, also, well, before we wrap this thing up, I do want to make sure uh, we posted on Twitter, Instagram, Friday, uh, Kendra Harrison, 2026 tight end slash defensive end athlete, if you will, uh, up here out of Reedsville. We'll be, we'll be doing a live show there, uh, taking some questions, doing a kind of a Q&A, AMA type thing. So there's you an extra show for the week. Um, I'll be running that. Kobe, if you want to hop on, feel free. Uh, but we're going to have Kendra on. And, and listen, that's a Georgia target. Going to be down in Athens for G-Day. Um, the kid is a monster. And I'll give you a quick synopsis before we wrap this thing up. 6'7", 230, and he's a freshman. He's out of the 26th class. And his favorite player is Darnell Washington. But we'll talk more about that Friday. Kobe, sir, have yourself a good day. I think yes, sir. Uh, we're going to have ourselves a great day, all right? The the brigade was elite today, coming in with all these wand jokes. Go back. i got to go back and read them. I might make a like a collage or something to read them off. Uh, we got carried away with recruiting talk. But with that being said, brigade, thank you as always. Juan, I can't wait to have you back on the show. feels like forever to get Rob and the gang back officially. Joel completely ignored my message earlier, too. Oof. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna read it because we didn't get to enjoy it. Where okay. did it go? I said, Joel. I said, you're the treasurer for this podcast, correct? I said, we really need to fire your ass. Who approved all this paid time off for one? Because it wasn't <laughs> us. It wasn't us that approved all this PTO. So we're looking for one. You know, at this rate. Hashtag, where's Juan? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll find him and hopefully he'll be back on. Feels like um, the summer scavenger hunt that we do here, the Kurt Feinberg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, man. With that being said, though, guys, have a great day. Enjoy your weekend. Make sure to tune in Friday at noon. Uh, Kendra Harrison uh, coming on and talking and answering your questions. Uh, looking forward to that. And with that being said, have a great day and go dogs. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.